Welcome to The Short-Term Show, the show about short-term rentals and long-term wealth, with real property owners hosting real properties who are crushing it in the vacation and short-term rental space. And here's your host, Avery Carl. This episode of The Short-Term Show is brought to you by The Short-Term Shop. If you're interested in buying a short-term rental in one of the top vacation markets in America, just go to theshorttermshop.com and click Get Connected with an Agent. If you purchase a home with the shop, you'll have access to all of our client-only benefits, such as training on how to manage your short-term rental. So we'll teach you everything you need to know from how to set up your Airbnb and Verbo listings to how to use the property management software that you'll need to streamline your business, all the way down to helping you source your local boots on the ground like cleaners, handy people, etc. We've taught thousands of people just like you how to buy and manage their vacation homes from anywhere in the world. So head on over to theshorttermshop.com and click get connected with an agent to get started. I do have to mention that we're brokered by eXp or else I get in trouble. We'll see you guys over there. Okay, guys, we are live. We are doing a special short-term show episode today, live stream. So you will be able to find this episode on everywhere you listen to podcasts, YouTube, et cetera. But we figured we'd stream this one live into our Facebook group today just to see how you guys like it. Uh, if you've never been in our Facebook group, the title Short-Term Rental, Long-Term Wealth, same title as my book. And you could also follow along the short-term shop. I mean, sorry, uh, facebook.com slash the short-term shop. So today we're going to be talking about the outer banks. We will be taking audience questions if you guys have any. But for now, I'm just going to be interviewing our expert agent and investor, Meg Minitry about the Outer Banks market. How's it going, Meg? It's pretty good this morning. Sun's back. It's been so rainy and dreary and it's it's sunny today, which is nice. Yes, I love that. It's getting better here too. Good. So why don't you start by telling us a little bit about yourself uh, and who you are, what you do? Yeah. So I moved to the Outer Banks in 2011, started kind of my investment journey in 2016, 2017, and have done all different types of transactions, you know, financial transactions to kind of get to where we are now. We've got a, a nice portfolio that's um, a pretty wide range of, of assets. Yeah, I love it here. It's um, it's beautiful. We get, you know, you've got kind of a quieter season. It's lovely. And then you've got this really awesome, I'm going to talk a little bit about statistics and, and how we've continued to grow with um, with our tourists that have been coming. So it's it's a really diverse area and it's, it's, it's great. Love it. Yeah. And the, did, this is the, I'm so cliche for asking this, did the whole Outer Banks John B show from a few years ago boost interest in the area it actually did yes yeah. it did. yes it did um and i think that kind of corresponded along also with you know the the kind of the tail end of covid that was coming through that we had that huge wave um mm -hmm. but we've actually sustained our numbers from that and in, in fact we've we've actually continued to grow which is pretty remarkable it just shows that our growth is, is sustaining beyond the covid boom that's cool and that's i think depending on management a lot of there's a lot of people who did not experience the whole Airbnb bust just because they have treated their short-term rentals as the hospitality businesses that they are and not some kind of get rich quick scheme where you can just slap it up on Airbnb and make a bunch of money. I think we all, all of us as professionals know that that's not how it's done. So yeah, let's, let's hear a little bit about the outer banks. So why would someone want to invest in this market? 
One of the, the great reasons that I really try to talk about and encourage um, owners is to promote not just the summer events and going to the beach. And we've got events that occur all year long. So you've got um, a number of marathons that happen throughout the year that are off season. They're in the spring and the fall. You know, you've got the windsurfers and surfing. And you know, those, of course, are, can be, are really great in the wintertime. And I'm in the, in the off months, you know, we've got biker week, we've got uh, Jeep week, we've got pride week. So we have all of these events, the seafood festival, all of these events that happen actually on the outer season. So you're not just collecting those 12 weeks of, of beach vacationers that are coming. I mean, there's really a, an opportunity there to continue to extend your property to other people that are coming to, for something just than just the beach. So I have some questions on areas. So it's a very long, skinny area. It's a barrier island or a series of barrier islands, right? Mm -hmm. Off the mainland? Yep. Okay. So how many miles is that from top to bottom, north to 130. south? 130. Oh, that's huge. 30 miles of, of shoreline. Yes, it is huge. So yeah. what are the different areas within that 130 miles and what are the most popular areas or maybe not necessarily popular because I know different beach towns have different reasons for people that want to go there. So what are some of the, the towns along that area? Sure. So I typically start um, investors kind of beginning in Kerala. And once you get to the very northern part of Kerala and into Karova, those do get visitors, but you have you're required to use a four wheel drive vehicle when you go up there. So you have to pull over before you even get onto the beach to drive. You have to use the beach to get there. You have to air down your tires, and and so especially for their first home, I kind of recommend that people start you know a little bit south. So you know top of Kerala all the way through Nags Head. You'll typically consider those to be the popular beaches. Those are it's definitely more crowded, and you have the the beachgoers, and they you know it's it's um. It's kind of the fun and all the families get together. Um, and then once you get, so there are five townships between um, Kerala and Nags Head. So you have Kerala, Duck, Kitty Hawk, Kill Double Hills, and Nags Head. And those are the five that people have mostly heard of. Then once you get kind of south of that, um, you know, you're going to start hitting Rodanthe, Salvo, Avon, Waves, um, Ocracoke, and Hatteras. Those are going to be pretty far south down there. Also beautiful. You'll have families that would never consider staying on one of the northern beaches because their family for generations have been going to those southern beaches. And you've got a lot more of like the mom and pop shops. It's less uh, commercialized. The price points are better, but you're not going to have as much occupancy. So, you know, you're going to see properties that might cost, you know, 1.5 million for maybe eight and a half down on the Southern beaches, but just keep in mind that, you know, you need to consider that occupancy rate as well. So are most of the tourists that come here, they're driving in, right? Not a lot of flying visitors. The the wealthy, if, if you've got a private plane, you can certainly fly in. And, and there is a landing strip uh, down in Manio, which is on the uh, Roanoke Island. And then there is a strip also up in Kerala. But yeah, people, people drive. And we gotcha. see plates from all over the country of folks coming in. So kind of fun to see that. So how do you access the barrier island? So let's say I'm trying to decide I've never been before. Do I want to be off in one of the beaches that don't have a lot of people where I have to do the four wheel drive and I just want that experience of not a lot of people? Or, you know, maybe I want to be maybe I got the kids with us and we want to be close to attractions and things. 
how many bridges are there to get across? What are the accesses? What do they look like? How long does it take to get to these different types of places? Sure. So um, the Kitty Hawk, Kill Devil Hills, Nags Head, those are probably the most central. Um, you know, if you're coming from the north, you'll come down 158 and you'll cross the Wright Memorial Bridge. Um, otherwise, you would come from the west and you would come across. Um, I just was talking about Roanoke Island. You come across Roanoke Island, which would bring you in at Nags Head. So then you'd either head north or south based on which of those two bridges you come in. And then, you know, it's, it's so subjective which beach you want to go to and how your family wants to spend their time. Um, you know, if you've got the multi-generational families, a lot of those folks are, I mean, they're scattered everywhere. Um, and there are so many different diverse things to do here. You know, you've got your bird watchers, you've got your beach goers, you've got the, you know, we talked about Dennis Anderson and the, and the Muddy Motorsports Park. You know, there's so much to do here. It just depends on that family or that couple or group of friends that want to come and how they want to spend their time. Yeah, I know my son's favorite monster truck is headquartered in Kill Devil Hill, I think, <laughs> uh, Grave Digger. Yes. Yes. Which has, depending on what uh, what monster jam you go to, a female driver, which I thought was very cool. That is interesting. And you bring up a good point. Um, they have four events throughout the year. They've got an April, a June, a September, and October. Again, those are off, off like your high season months. So there's just, there is a lot to do here than just coming to the beach. I'm oh, sorry. I unmuted while I was still coughing. Y'all, I am getting over. I sound like a colonial woman. Pneumonia of all the random weird things. So sorry about the cough and sorry about my voice. If you guys have been listening to the short-term show or any of my stuff, like the past month, I've been sounding like this. So I apologize for being, having an annoying voice. This episode of The Short-Term Show has been brought to you by your friendly short-term shop real estate agent. We are hyper-local and totally dedicated to your success. Whether you want to buy your next short-term rental or sell the one you currently own, we would be honored to earn your business. We are in all of the best vacation markets in America. Find us at theshorttermshop.com. That's theshorttermshop.com Brokered by EXP If you like what you're hearing, if you're picking up what I'm putting down, you can join me on a live weekly call to talk about your next short-term rental or ask questions about the one you already have. I am live once per week on Zoom and would love to have you come and say hello. It's strquestions.com that's strquestion.com. Come and join us. Okay, so lots of different types of beaches, lots of different types of activities. Pretty much you can, something for everyone, and I like that. And you're getting mostly drivable. And I like that about, about markets too. I like a good regional drivable market because uh, it's expensive to, to get a whole family on a plane. We went to New York recently and, you know, that's a big airport. You know, that's, it's not a, mm -hmm. an expensive ticket into a small airport and it's like three grand to fly the family, not even in first class or anything just to, to get there. So I love a good market where it's inexpensive to get there because it's a drivable market. Um, let's talk about the types of properties in this market. So it's a beach market. Are there a lot of condos or do you see mostly single families? 
No, well, you you do have condos and there is, you know, kind of a limit on how high they're allowed to build, which is which is lovely. So you're not having houses oh. that sit behind it that, you know, can't can't see around or above. Um, but there so there are condos, there are opportunities, people who have, uh, you know, a bit more budget conscious or just want to get something smaller with a little bit less maintenance. Um, that's a really great opportunity for people to duck into that. But then you'll also find darling two or three bedroom, um, they call them beach boxes here. And they're, you know, up on pilings and they're off the ground and, you know, you can make them. It's really easy to, to you know, put some lipstick on, clean them up, make them lovely, um, you know, get some new linens and fresh paint. Um, and then you've got houses that are up to 22 bedrooms. So it's a really big, big, vast group of, of properties that you can invest in here. So how high do they allow condo buildings to be built? I knew you were going to ask me that. And I don't know that. I mean, I, I don't know that there's much more than four or five stories okay. um, here. I mean, it's not, we don't have high rises by any stretch. I, I really like that. So, you know, down here, and I hate to compare everything to Destin and Panama City, but, you know, this is where I live. So it's what I have to compare to beach-wise. In Santa Rosa Beach, they only there's only a few condo buildings and they're only allowed to be I think maybe three stories and that allows the beach to be much less crowded because you don't have 125 story buildings right in a row. So I really like buying in beach markets where there's a limit on how high they can build the condos because it does affect the capacity and the space on the beach. So I really like that not having these big high rises everywhere. Although, you know, there's definitely their place. Panama City Beach does just fine having a zillion high rises and they all have these great amenities and things. So just kind of depends on the market. But I do like that that keeps it from getting too crowded for tourists to where they then don't have a good experience. So I really, I really like that. All right, let's talk about insurance while we're comparing to Florida. If you're planning to buy in a beach market, Florida has the worst insurance crisis. And, I, and we're getting through that. We're towards the tail end of it now. How is it in your neck of the woods in North Carolina? We've been able to maintain. Um, I've been watching Florida over the last you know couple of years. North Carolina has just begun. Uh, they're proposing a significant increase in insurance. Um, it is not passed yet. I think there are a lot of um, legislators and, you know, just the OBAR, which is the Outer Banks, uh, our local association for realtors. And, you know, we've got representatives that, that head, you know, to the state to let them know what is, is a terrible idea um, because it is a significant hike. Now, that being said, having been an investor since 2016, 2017, you know, I've built this this book of vendors. And so I've got a lot of agents who I know that I can put you in touch with. And when we identify a house, we'll call some of those folks up and say, hey, can you start helping me with some pricing so that you're not slammed with a number that you're not expecting once you get to closing? That's really helpful because I, I see that a lot where people, they don't even think about getting the insurance until, or even checking until the lender says, hey, I need your insurance. And you know, you're at the end of the contract and then you're like, holy shit, I had no idea. So yeah, that's definitely something I would suggest in any beach market that you get ahead of towards the beginning of your contract. And let's talk about price points. And by the way, guys, we do have a 10 episode deep dive with Meg where we go 30 minutes to an hour, 10 different episodes on 10 different topics on the process of deciding to buy something in the Outer Banks to managing something in the Outer Banks. So if you want to check that out, it's called buying an Airbnb in the Outer Banks. It's anywhere you listen to podcasts. So 
Apple Podcasts, YouTube. We have it on video if, you, if you're a YouTube person. Spotify, Spotify, everything. So make sure you check it out. If you guys are like, oh man, they only talked for 30 minutes and I have all these questions. Check out that 10 episode deep dive. We've got data people. We've got insurance people. We've got home inspectors. We interview everybody on there that's local to this market. Uh, so definitely check that out if you're like, oh, you know, I think I'm interested in this because you're seeing more people, influencers, et cetera, buy in this market because it is a great market. It is. Let's talk about price point for a minute. So we're in early 2024. So if you're listening to this next year or years later, things could be different. But as of right now, like what are you seeing average purchase price wise for like a condo or a single family home? I know that's a very, very loaded question. No, that's okay. I think for the purpose of this conversation and so that we're not doing the if, you know, if and (laughs) if and thens, um, I'm going to focus basically just on um, the east side of the bypass. So the the bypass is essentially the five lane highway that kind of divides the, the east and west side of the barrier island. And so a lot of people consider the east side of the bypass um, it's called between the highways because then you have Beach Road, which divides um, oceanfront and sunny oceanfront. So all of that area in between the highways, um, that's going to be kind of the focus of, of for the purpose of this conversation. Um, you'll find condos on the west side much more affordable to be on the east. You're going to be walkable. Um, you can find a one bedroom, one bath, a two bedroom, all the way up to three bedroom three bath condos and they range in price significantly. You know, you might be able to find something for, you know, in the fours, you'll also be able to find something that's, you know, right under a million. Um, so it, there is a really big range and depending on what your requirements are, what you what you want to provide to your guests or what you and your family would like to use when no one's in there. Um, you know, some of the stuff is subjective. You know, I think typically we, we look at the numbers first. That's the first thing we look at, but it is nice to kind of narrow it down. Gotcha. And I know, at least from what I've seen, it does appear that single family homes in this market are cheaper than single family homes like in the Florida Panhandle area, which I mean, I love a good beach house for, you know, a deal. So can you speak to that at all? Again, I know totally loaded, vague, broad question. So single family homes, they are most likely going to be more of interest to guests that come down. They just, they like the privacy. Um, You know, again, I think the condo has more to do with not just the owner of the condo, but the guest that's coming as well, you know, what they can afford to stay in. Um, You're going to make more revenue um, on a, on a, on a single family home. And again, that price point, it you can you can buy a property that is on the west side of the bypass. People drive, we have parking, plenty of parking for folks who do want to drive to the beach rather than, you know, walk a couple minutes. Um so that is also very doable. Uh my my all of my short-term rentals have always been on the west side. I've got one long-term rental on the on the east side, but the rest of them have all been on the west side and very successful. Do you have to be walkable to the beach or is this something you can be like, you know, a 10, 15 minute drive to the beach? You'd be surprised when you go through these houses, um, some of them and they're houses that my family would never rent. Everything here rents though. You'd be shocked to see some of the things that rent people just, they really want to be here. You know, I think a lot of the folks who are listening to this podcast, they're probably going to come in and do renovations and, and make it quite a bit nicer for their guests and 
bring in bring in more income. Um, but really, and as you mentioned before, the island, it is so narrow that even to drive, even if you're on the west side, it's less than five minutes to drive to the beach. It's very, oh. very close. It's just, it's that bypass that is really, it's dangerous. Like it's, you know, it slows down to 45 miles an hour at one point, but, you know, we do have, you know, there are some accidents that happen and, and I don't know, I'm already a nervous person to be <laughs> nervous and families crossing. I'm always like, oh. so, oh yeah. yes, I hear that. So we have a couple questions surrounding this. This is actually on my list of questions. Anyway, let's talk about some gotchas when you're buying in the Outer Banks. So I think everyone saw that video a few years ago of the house in the storm floating off into the ocean. How do we make sure that we aren't ever the owner of the house that floats into the ocean? Sure. Or that you're buying that house, right? You know, we don't want right. the house that in 10 or 15 years, that's going to happen. So there were a lot of properties. There were a lot of properties that were built that did not allow the proper setback. Um, and so with all of the beach erosion that's happening and areas that, you know, we've, there are some areas that they focus more on beach nourishment and others that they don't focus as much on. You have that erosion. And over time, all of that sand just kept going back out to the ocean. And so the people who owned that house, they knew that it was coming. They probably had known for years. There was no one in the house. It wasn't a surprise that it was <laughs> that it was going down. But, you know, we need to look for the proper setbacks. You should always be at least 25 feet from the first line of vegetation between you and the beach or 50, a 50 foot setback from the high tide water line. So those are the first kind of couple things that you want to look for. But also, you know, you'll want to check with um, check with your township, find out, you know, if in 15 or 20 years, like is this if this house gets threatened, you know, what's the rule? Am I going to be allowed to rebuild? And some of them you can. Um, there are other areas that if your damage is greater than 50% of the value of the home, they're not going to let you rebuild. And so then you have a lot with no house on it that you can't do anything with, but sit and watch a lovely sunrise. So how do we make sure that, I mean, I guess there's no way to make sure of anything ever in real estate, but who, what, what types of vendors or municipalities, offices at the government do we call to when we're looking at a property and say, hey, am I far enough back? What do I need to do here? Am I allowed to rebuild? Who do we call and ask these questions to? Because it's not your agent, guys. Your agent should be the source of the source of this information. But when it comes to stuff, especially as important as this, you need to be calling these people directly, having a direct conversation, asking all of your questions, because it's just too important to play a game of telephone with. Um, I know agents want to be like, oh yeah, I'll do everything for you. But this is something you need to be doing yourself. So get the, again, your agent is the source of the source of information. So they can help you know who to call, give you these people, but you guys have to call them yourself. City planner, that's who you're going to want to call. So whatever township, I always call them townships because they're just so quaint and small. They're, they are cities, um, but you're going to want to call that city planner and they'll be, and just identify the property and say, look, you know, what can you talk, can we talk about the risks here? And if something happens to this property, am I going to be able to rebuild? They'll be able to tell you very quickly. It doesn't take long. Awesome. Is there anything else gotcha wise that we need to pay attention to when we're shopping for properties in this market? Like, I don't know, septic systems, Anything that's like 
something specific to here that we may not, not that septic systems are specific to anywhere, but you know what I mean? Anything specific yeah. to, need to pay attention to. So that's, that's a good topic to discuss. Most of the properties here on the Outer Banks are on a septic system. And because the beaches are, are older, the state of North, North Carolina, it's not just the Outer Banks. They're kind of relooking at how they are evaluating those systems. Um, they're talking about kind of changing the systems. And once there's a failure, instead of just being able to repair the system, they're talking about having to rebuild one. This is kind of new legislation that's coming out right now. Um, I don't even have my head entirely wrapped around it. I was at a general mem membership meeting um, actually yesterday, Tuesday, um, that we talked about this. So there is information out there that we want to, you know, dig in a little bit deeper into what some of the septic uh, requirements are, are looking like. Um, and again, if you don't, if you've got if your system, septic system is up and running and it's great, you know, you don't have a problem, you know, you can still pump. But once there's a failure, um, we do, they're going to now start requiring to put in a new system. Good to know. So all things to pay attention to septic in any market, pay attention to that. Um, you know, your rebuild setback lines from the water line, of course, very important. All right. What else, Meg, we've got about five more minutes. So what questions have I not asked about the Outer Banks that you think our listeners would benefit from hearing? Yeah, I think just the market in general and what we're seeing. I mean, I did pull some statistics this morning. Average days on market, um, they're actually longer now, which means our sellers are, might be getting a little antsy. You know, they might be considering, you know, accepting an offer that's under asking. Um, we are now down to average days on market is 51 with the median at 19. What that statistic will show you is that um, if you've got a nice house that you're selling, it's probably going to go quicker. But the other ones that I was talking about earlier that need some love, those are sitting for a while. So there are opportunities there for you guys to come and buy here and, and you know, do some a little bit of updating. And then you've got an awesome house. Um, so that was kind of a, a great um, opportunity. Also, inventory is up 8% from 2022. So our inventory is increasing right now. Yeah. So just, you know, let's hop on a call and look at what your criteria is and your price point. Um, and we'll go through and start just searching for some, some houses and I can send you details and we'll kind of begin running and looking. All right. So on that note, I will give you guys Meg's email. It's Meg, M-E-G at the shorttermshop.com. Of course, you can always catch us in all the other ways that, you know, Instagram, YouTube, I answer all of those. So, or agents at the shorttermshop.com. But if you're listening, super interested in this market, Meg at the shorttermshop.com. Thank you so much, Meg, for coming on. Thanks for coming, yeah.